Hello and welcome to Case Reopened, the number one Detective Canon Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the one, the only, the myth, the legend, Colleen. How are you today? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're back and episode, or, well, of the podcast, episode 100. Episode 100, yeah. The 100th episode, who would have thought? And we still have many hundreds more to go. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. I, when I started this, I didn't think we'd only be on episode 174 somehow through 100 episodes. This is this is quite the grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think people appreciate it. You know, this show is so well-loved. And um, hopefully... People just keep on listening and enjoying our commentary. Yeah, so we're back. We're covering the second half of episode 174, the 20-year-old murder's intent, the symphony serial murder case, originally aired as a two-hour special that we cut it into uh, two parts here, because it was long. Very long. And very convoluted. Yeah, and I feel like I was justified in cutting it off where I did, because... Right where we we get we come into this, and it's at like the fifty minute mark, they start reintroducing all the characters. They all get the <laughs> the name tags that only appear once per episode, but they put it up twice here because they knew people were gonna forget these names and get them all jumbled up because everybody starts with a K. <laughs> and uh, Colleen, you actually did some research as to what their names mean. Oh yeah, well. Some of them uh, are apparently related to marine animals. So Samazaki, although he's not one of the Ks, the infamous Ks, Samazaki is a shark peninsula, Kameda's turtle field, Kanye crab river, Ebina shrimp name or famous shrimp, Kujirai whale well, and Isagai beach shells. And then uh, I think... I don't even know who Toji is. Which one was Toji? Toji is has the Toji. <laughs> Toji. Toji. Oh, Samazaki's first name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Toji has the character for island. Nagisa, which is um, Isagai's first name, I believe, means beach. And then Yoshimi um, is has the character for sea. So very cute. All you know, water related. We're on a boat. It makes sense. Uh, too bad there's a lot of K's involved. Although, that doesn't explain why Saizo's name is Kano, which also creates a lot of confusion because all of the gang members' names start with K. Maybe that was like a prerequisite to getting into <laughs> the gang. Oh, your name starts with a G, sorry. You're not allowed. Yeah, you're going to get K's. cut. You know, that means the Kudo family is... Uh, ready to be initiated like i think they they have they stand a good chance shinichi can uh, join this gang yeah so once again this was the first episode of the new millennium it was aired january 3rd 2000 the content is tennis ball which we we didn't get into last time but we're finally gonna talk about tennis balls here colin it's so crazy to me that the the hint only comes in like what an hour into the episode like it's not that important i mean it, it's fairly important but it it would have been a great hint if it uh, was something that you saw from the very beginning like cigarette 
That would have been yeah. a good Oh, that'd be a great end. So, this part of the episode starts off with Samazaki yelling at Kogoro for letting everybody leave the restaurant. Nagisa says she doesn't have to listen to his orders. She's still being quite moody. Minoru doesn't want everybody to be separated and asks if Kamada was found. Samazaki says both Kamada and Saizu have disappeared and is then told that Hattori has gone missing too. And Samazaki <laughs> says, damn it, what's up with this boat? Everyone's just leaving. Kagura says the culprit isn't among them, which is why they should stay together. Conan agrees, as Samazaki and Kujirai were both in the recreational room when the gunshot fired. The rest all stayed together when going outside, so it's impossible for Nagisa and Minoru to have lit the fire. The only people without alibis are Kamita, Kurahisa, and Saizu, who we're still not sure if he's alive or not. However, Conan is still confused about the strange actions of multiple people on the boat and whatever happened 20 years ago. So who are you suspecting here, Colleen? Um, so like I mentioned last time, I thought this was going to be a revenge uh, kind of plot, but like Samazaki getting revenge for his daughter. It's always a safe bet <laughs> that Kogoro's friend's going to wind up being a murderer. Exactly. That's, that's kind of where I was... Uh, leaning towards too. Yeah. So I think at this point I was still there, but it gradually uh, shifted towards uh, who ended up being the actual culprit. Kenan then rushes to the bathroom and he calls Agasa, who just happens to be watching a television special on the 400 million yen heist. How convenient. <laughs> what a coincidence. He's like, oh, Shinichi, I'm actually taping this for you. <laughs> and we do get to see Highbury here. I don't think she has a single line of dialogue, sadly. But No, it's like they didn't want to invite the voice actress just for one line. So they're like, okay, we're not going to bother. Yeah, so he confirms that they found Saizu's bloody jacket and that they believe his subordinates killed him. And Conan's like, how did they know it was his jacket? And it turns out that there was a photo of Saizu holding his daughter inside it. And we saw, earlier, a picture of a person with a gunshot through his head um, holding his daughter. So, hmm, maybe it could be the same. Maybe. Turns out that one of the culprits got nervous after they heard police sirens and started shooting randomly. Always a good call. Just start shooting your gun in random directions. Yeah, that seems like the safest option. One of the bullets then hit Samazaki's daughter, Yoshimi who was working as a banker. It seems that everybody on the boat is connected to the case. And then several gunshots are heard, and Conan hangs up to go investigate. Samazaki and Kogoro both run to the back of the boat, but nobody is there. Kogoro notices a hatch and wonders if the suspect went through it. Samazaki then says the culprit has to be Saizo, and that he's toising with them. Kujirai then says he's the reason that Saizo wants to kill them. He says, I don't want to die. Please protect me. I'll talk. I'll tell you everything. So, he's, uh, he's a rat, Colleen. Yeah. Uh, it was, this was the beginning of when I felt that Kujirai was super annoying. Like, he was annoying in the first half that we covered, because he was, like, yelling and crying and stuff, but uh, he gets progressively more annoying. Kujirai admits to being one of Saizu's subordinates 20 years ago. He came on the boat to celebrate with, with his companions that they weren't, ca weren't caught. 
He received a letter from another companion, which had some 10,000 yen bills in it, and told him that they wouldn't be caught on the cruise. It all changed their names and faces, so nobody knew who each other were at first. However, he was called out by Korahisa, who told him about Kamada being the other partner. The thing is, Kujirai isn't sure who wants his life. He says it isn't possible that Saizu is still alive, as his partner shot him 20 years ago. Kagura wonders if one of the companions wants all the money for themselves, but Kujirai says things don't fit together. A gunshot is then fired, and Kujirai gets hit in the arm, Colleen. Another shot then fires right afterward, and Kona says somebody is at the head of the boat. Samazaki runs out, and he tells the man to give up. He then shines a light on him, and it's Korahisa, who also has been shot through the head. So oh, we damn. suddenly have two deaths here, Colleen. Well, you can't have a two-hour special with just one corpse. That is true. So a lot of people dying. Uh, yeah. People are dead, Colleen. <laughs> and were you shocked? Well, I guess just two people were dead. I think I got shot, though. And we don't really know what happened to Heiji yet. So. Yeah, he might be dead. I was kind of shocked at how little care went into and, like, drama there was was, like, uh, concerned with Heiji's safety. Mm -hmm. There was none. So Conan was a tad bit worried. I mean, he kept asking uh, the crew, like, oh, have you seen the the guy with the Kanzai accent? But Ron, like, she didn't notice at all. Like, nope, Kogoro didn't notice. I I think there was a comment made at one point, and Samazaki's like, what? Uh, uh, Whatever uh Heiji's yeah, dad's this... name is he's like hanzo whatever hanzo's son is missing Gah. like then that's it yeah nobody was like cared about his well-being at all they didn't search for him like they didn't bother to know like i thought maybe it'd be a more coordinated effort to make sure you're <laughs> safe but no he just he just kind of reappears later so cory he says holding a gun and there's a shot through his temple it's a recent death since the body is still warm and the blood isn't dried. Since there are burn marks, it seems to be a suicide. Samazaki suspects that he was listening to Kujirai confess, and that's when he tried to kill him. However, he missed, and then he took his own life as he had no way to escape. Kagura finds it strange since the body before had Korahisa's clothes on. So Samazaki believes that was the other partner, Kamada, or Saizu. He had dressed the body to make it seem like he was dead, and then he hid somewhere. Looks like Korahisa killed the other guy, so then he shot his other partner. That's definitely what it's looking like. Kona notices something behind the body, which is a rope ladder. Samazaki realizes that Korahisa was hanging onto the ladder in order to hide from the search. They notice rope marks on his body. I I love how, like, (laughs) they were searching for this guy. And all they had to do was, like, look off the edge of the boat, and none of (laughs) them ever did that. No. You'd think you would on a multi-tiered boat, but nobody thought to do it. Also, the rope marks, um, I I guess, like, the idea was that he was hanging off, like, his arm was through one of the loops. Because I'm like, how did he get rope marks if he was, you know, holding on with his hands, but... Maybe I'm just looking into it too much. They go back inside and Kegura notes that the bleeding is pretty bad on Kujirai and that it, that the bullet might have hit an artery. 
Nagisa says that he got lucky with just a hole in his arm and shirt. Samazaki then finds the bullet's entry point on a window, and it lines up with where Korihisa is. Minoru finds the bullet stuck in the wall, and Kagura is impressed with the distance that Korihisa shot from. Samazaki says one of the subordinates was unusually adept in handling a gun, and that they were an infantry member of a foreign country. So, what a life Korihisa lived. He went from being into the army to robbing banks. Yeah, it seems like a natural segue into like a career path. Um, did we ever get confirmation that it was actually uh, Korihisa that was the guy in the army, or was that yeah, part yeah. of the front? We do. Okay, okay. Because that's where he got that. Uh... Oh, the gun wound, or whatever the bullet wound. So Ron fetches the emergency first aid kit, and Kagura goes to patch up Kujirai when they notice Conan is gone. Conan is actually asking workers about Hattori, so he's still, like, semi work Not too much, though. He's just like, you seen this guy? They're no, like, okay. We didn't see shit. <laughs> I love the crew members in this episode. I was actually waiting for it to be one of them that had planned all of this out. But uh, in the meantime, they were quite uh, amusing when they were, like, looking for Heiji. Yeah, they said they searched everybody's rooms earlier, and they mentioned that Minoru's room was empty, except for a suitcase in the middle of it, and that the bed was untouched. Conan wants to see it, and he's taken there after saying that Kogoro wanted to see it. So, using Kogoro's clout to get around. I mean, that's nothing new for Conan. <laughs> he's always like, oh yeah, Detective Mori wanted me to do something. And everyone just believes him. Ron starts searching for Conan, and we get it kind of goes back and forth here. And there's a really funny part where she just walks, and there's like tarp, and the wind blows, and the tarp moves, and Ron like runs away from it. <laughs> I mean, Ron is afraid of a lot of stuff, I guess. Well, the supernatural, so maybe could have come off as a ghost like thing. So Conan then has a worker tie some rope for him by the burnt body, and we don't see exactly what he's tying. Conan says everything leads back to the organizer of this tour, Furukawa Masaru. Most of the incident fits. Conan still doesn't understand at all. The watch on the burnt body and Kamada's stamp confuses him. Conan drops the note he had found, but it lands against the railing. That's when Conan sees it sideways. He then seemingly figures out who Furukawa is and notices an area on the railing where the paint has come off. Conan finds more areas that are the same and he says, with this, he can manipulate time and everyone's actions. That's why he called Hattori to play the detective part. What's the detective part? Falling in the sea? (laughs) (laughs) That's the improvised one. Yeah. It's it's later explained a little bit, but... uh... I would have loved to have seen this case, um, uh, like, pan out had it just been Hattori there. I guess Kogoro basically took over the detective part of it. Yeah, that's how I'm understanding that as well. So, Conan then gets hit with a tennis ball that Ron (laughs) threw at him. (laughs) She's like, you little jerk, stop running around. Yeah, she says, please don't leave me alone. Conan, you know that I'm a scaredy cat. If you disappear, I'd have to search all around this horrifying ship by myself. And Conan's like, I'm sorry, I'm still gonna run off later this episode. (laughs) 
she says that she found the tennis ball under the restaurant table while she was looking for Conan, and nobody claimed it was theirs. Ron just keeps finding stuff in this uh, episode, and we don't actually see her find it. She just, like, appears with, like, the pendant and now the tennis ball. Yeah, but no lights. No. She doesn't get to use her best skill yet. <laughs> Ron says Samazaki didn't see the tennis ball as he went to the front with Kogoro. And she says it looked like they were screaming and yelling after they found an old scar from a past gunshot wound on Kokorohisa's body. Conan then says to himself that he's figured everything out, including the truth behind this case. He just needs evidence. And that's when he gets a call from Agasa. But he's like, I can't talk. Go away. I don't think he ever calls him <laughs> back either. So it's kind of like a poor Agasa. He didn't get to do much here. Yeah, he, uh, he was the uh, guy in the chair role. Finding out all that stuff for Conan. It would have been... He doesn't get to actually, like, give him the info. (laughs) Ron wonders where Hattori is, and Conan says he's probably swimming with the fishes somewhere. That's dark. See, I thought he had, like, the call that Agasa, the second time he called him, was to tell him about Heiji. Because all of a sudden Conan uh, wasn't all that worried about him. And then later on when... Heiji makes his grand reappearance. It's almost like Conan knew that he was coming. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be that might be what happened there because he was found on a fishing boat, and he says fish is here. So yeah, because I'm like, why would Conan make such a a joke like in poor taste if he uh, was afraid that Heiji maybe did drown? He's like, oh, he's swimming with the fishes. Like, what if he's actually dead? Yeah, so that that makes sense if that's what he said, and it just happened off camera. So, as Samazaki and Kogoro look at the old gunshot wound, Conan knocks out Kogoro with his dart watch, places a speaker under Kogoro's collar after he falls into a chair, and Kogoro then tells Ron to gather everybody here as he's solved the case. Everybody arrives, and that's when Kogoro explains that the culprit is Korihisa, and that Kujirai was the target. Which I think everybody already knew. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Surprise, everybody. This really was a Kogoro deduction where he's like, you know, the most uh, like likely suspect? That's who it is. Yeah. And then guess what? Korihisa committed suicide. The burned body was Kamada, who was called out by Korihisa and then murdered. He put Kamada's body in the box, set fire to the flag, then set the box on fire. Korihisa waited until Samazaki's search for Saizu was over to put the clothes on Kamada. Proof of this is that Kamada's arms were bent to his face as he put the body in the box, arms upward, in order to make it easy to change his clothes. The reason why the watch strap was open was because it didn't fit Kamada's larger wrist. Because he was a fat boy. (laughs) He was tubby. Before setting the fire... You know, it's so funny, like, they all had plastic surgery to change how they looked, and Kamada still couldn't fix that hairline, huh? (laughs) You can't get a wig or something? You know, I was thinking about that, how the three of them, uh, I mean, maybe in their younger days, the plastic surgery looked fine, but they they weren't, like, I mean, you'd think that they would want to improve their looks, but I guess they just chose a generic kind of look for each of them. Before setting the fire, Korihisa called Kujirai to the back in order to frame him. He faked his own death to scare Kujirai and get back at his companions that betrayed him 20 years ago. 
That's when everybody gasps. And Kagura says the gunshot wound that Korahisa has is the proof that he actually was Saizu. Now Gisa then stands up and she's completely shocked. He says, that's a lie. This person can't be Saizu because that's my father. She says that she joined the tour to look for her father who was said to be murdered by her fellow robbers. I thought that maybe he could still be alive, but that person didn't exist at all. Samazaki says that his face was likely changed through plastic surgery, but Nagisa says she isn't stupid and she still would have identified her father. If he saw me, he would have shown some signs of interest, even if 20 years have passed. So she's adamant that's not her dad. And then Kegger is like, yep, uh, he just needed to hear you say that. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Psych. I gotcha. Yeah, so all just everything I just said, throw it out. It was all complete bullshit that Conan was wasting our time with. <laughs> I guess to get the information that her dad was Sazu, but okay. Yeah, so the first time I watched this, um, uh, this totally threw me off. Because I still thought like the entire time that it was Sazu. Uh, yeah, it this kind of like multi-deduction show where first he does one and then he's like oh never mind here's actually what happened it really tripped me up and i don't know if it was just maybe like the subtitles also at the speed that they were going at so yeah this uh this was a little confusing for me the first time around was conan even needed to do this i feel like if you somebody had just asked kogoro to give his thoughts he would have said the same incorrect things (laughs) and we would have came (laughs) to this conclusion yeah, no, it's true. But then it would be probably harder to get the the actual deduction show going because he'd have to like put Kogro to sleep, uh, while everybody was there. So I guess Conan's just like, oh, I'll just do it <laughs> from the very beginning. Yeah, it was like Conan was doing the bad deduction show on top of his regular one that Kogro normally does. Yeah. <laughs> So, Kagura then says the culprit made it look like Horihisa murdered Kamada and later committed suicide after shooting Kujirai as if he was Saizu all along. However, that isn't true. Samazaki disagrees, saying the whole group was with them when the explosion occurred. And Kagura says there was an auto-firing device. It's one that Samazaki uses, a cigarette. But he wasn't accusing Samazaki, because I thought at first he was accusing him of murder, but no. He's just saying, it's the same thing you have, a cigarette. Mm-hmm. The subs did not make that super clear. <laughs> so by suspending a lit cigarette with a thread inside the box above a gasoline-filled can, he was able to allow the cigarette to burn through the string and then start the fire. Samazaki then asked about the gunshots they heard, and Kagura says... Cigarettes as well. That's basically the, the answer to everything. <laughs> Kagura just says, cigarettes. Cigarettes. You know how he did that? Cigarettes. More <laughs> you know proof what... that smoking is cool, Colleen. You can do so much with cigarettes. Apparently. Wow, I've learned a lot <laughs> from this two-hour special. And surprisingly, the hint, the Conan's hint, was not cigarettes. No, it was tennis ball. <laughs> so... The gunshots they heard were actually cigarettes, you know, the big boom (laughs) that comes from a cigarette. But they were taped to the railing, and there was, like, small explosives, like, uh, firecrackers at the end of it. So when the cigarette would boil down, 
to the, the smaller thing, it would light the explosion, and then the explosive would fall into the sea. So, likewise, the flag was burnt by a cigarette, and they had soaked the flag <laughs> in gasoline. So once it, so it's basically a timed explosive a cigarette. It's pretty smart, except for it was pretty windy, and I feel like the cigarettes would have been put out. But I'll, I'll just <laughs> pretend they're really good cigarettes. Yeah. Kogoro says that could have been done by anybody, and Minoru gets nervous, and he just screams out, It's already too late! And you're just like, what is going on? I know, it's so confusing. We see this huge explosion occurs in the back of the boat, and everybody is like, oh my god, what's going on? And the crew is like, go investigate, make sure the damage isn't too bad. And Kogoro is like, very chill, he's like, oh, well, that was just a bomb that exploded 100 meters to the rear of the boat. We're good. <laughs> I attached it to a rubber boat with a rope. We're good. <laughs> Thank you, Kogoro. <laughs> and then so it ended took- on such a cliffhanger, too. Like, it exploded, and then, you know, you get the closing doors, and yeah, it's just totally disorientating. It turns out that Minoru had a bomb inside his suitcase. He asked Kogoro how he knew. And there were many clues. Minoru was checking the time frequently. His bed didn't have a wrinkle on it. And his suitcase was unopened. The bomb was prepared to kill one person from the case 20 years ago. So he could, so he could get revenge on the person that murdered his co-worker. After seeing how Minoru counted money, it was obvious that he was a banker. And he then said the name Yoshimi after seeing Ron. So the banking thing was where his he had lost his wallet and then he did the banking thing. Yeah, like he flipped the bills in. And I, I mean, I never really thought about it, but um, I don't count bills that way. Yeah, so me neither. I guess that would be a, a, a tell that it's a banker. Yeah, Min- Minoru... Like, at this point, I was just, like, baffled by his character. You'd think that, okay, even if he did have this plan to uh, bomb the ship, you'd think that once he got on and saw that they were more innocent bystanders, including children, he would just toss the thing and not go forward with his plan. But no, he just kept on doing it. Also, he never figured, they never, like, point out who shot Yoshime during this whole thing, so... Like, he would never figured out the one person he was trying to kill, too. Yeah, so I guess he just, like, oh, I'll take them all out, I guess. Minoru says that Yoshimi wasn't only his colleague, she was the most important person in the world to him. Samazaki then recognizes him as the person that was crying heavily during his daughter's funeral. Yoshimi sure had unique tastes in men, huh? <laughs> I mean, 20 years ago, maybe he was a real looker. <laughs> So Minoru quit being a banker, and then he decided to spend the past 20 years chasing after the culprits. Seems a little overly obsessed with Yoshimi, if that's what he does. You'd think you'd just be like, oh, huh, guess that wasn't meant to be, I guess I'll move on with my life. Yeah, Instead he's like, I'm gonna track them down, and I'm gonna build bombs. <laughs> Gosh. Um, yeah, they didn't really clarify whether uh, they were engaged, or just dating, or if he they liked each other because he, uh, he was his he was uh samazaki's daughter's stalker that's what it was. <laughs> maybe i mean at one point he was like oh so samazaki was saying oh you're the one that my daughter wanted me to meet so you'd think okay they were in some sort of relationship 
uh, yeah, that wasn't probably. a stalker relationship, but uh, well, she wanted the, him to meet. Uh, he wanted he wanted Samazaki to meet Minoru so he could give her a restraining order. Ah, very possible. Yeah, like oh, come meet my dad, who's the chief of police or whatever he was. Yeah, so Samazaki realizes that that's the person that his daughter wanted him to meet, and that's when Minoru walks up to Samazaki and he grabs him by the collar. If you on that day had went to Toku as you promised, she would be. And that's when Samazaki apologizes as Minoru falls to the ground and he explains, uh, hey, my co-worker got stabbed that day. I kind of couldn't make the meeting. Okay. Which, as as far as, like, reasons to not meet, that seems like a decent one. <laughs> like, somebody got stabbed. Minoru then says he saw the news article and that if he was wrong, he was going to toss the case into the ocean. Nagisa asks if he's the one that murdered the men, but he says he just brought the bomb. I don't know anything about guns. <laughs> and he's like, I'm innocent. Please believe me. And Kegger's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You're not the culprit. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down before you hurt yourself. The culprit disguised himself as an elderly man and then entered the boat so that Saisu was on the mind of everybody. He then went back out to drop the disguise and came back on. He then left a I don't bill. get that, though. Well, you don't get what. So he comes on to the boat disguise, then he leaves and comes back as himself. But wouldn't somebody recognize him, like, getting off the boat? He'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Like, cause... No, he came back in as one of the, he was one of the ten people. He filled two of the slots. But when he disembarked, he came on the boat the first time dressed up. Then he disembarked. Nobody saw him, apparently you know without the disguise and then he came back as one of the 10 people i mean i that's the only way that it could have happened because you'd think somebody would have said oh what are you doing on the boat here before because you know he was uh unrecognizable apparently so yeah that was just one another part that i didn't really understand i don't get i don't get your hang up here okay so he, he gets on the boat as the old guy disguise all right yeah he leaves uh, like leaves he, how though is he still in the getup oh I forgot something in my car he's like, dressed up he's still, still dressed up guy. when he leaves okay yeah he goes out to his car takes the old guy's gear on and he goes back in he's like I've got a 10,000 bill they let him in he, then he's good to go so see then like when they say like where's the old guy he never came back from getting that thing in his car Unless nobody's paying that close attention to people getting off the boat. Well, maybe he had the disguise still with him. Because the one woman did say she saw him come back in and everything was cool or something. So maybe he kept the disguise with him. Then he pawned it off into the sea or whatever afterwards. You know, he changed back into the disguise real quick. And his disguise is just like a fucking suit. It's, <laughs> it's not, like a scarf with glasses. This was not an elaborate disguise, <laughs> no. all right? This would take like 10 seconds to put on. So then he went to her and was like, hey, I'm here. Don't. It's all good. And then he went back to his room, changed off of that shit, threw it away, like into the ocean or whatever. And then he was fine as... Uh, uh, I don't think this is a big... It's plot. not. It, it, I think it makes sense. <laughs> it's actually not huge. It's just one thing that didn't make sense to me. So that's why I'm kind of nitpicking. Well, have I helped explain it? A little bit. <laughs> Thank you. He then left a bill on the upper deck that was written in Saizu's handwriting. 
This was all done to make it seem like Saizu was the culprit. In that court, he says bullet wound was from the betrayal 20 years ago. Kagura says that the wound was separate, probably from when he was in the foreign army. To take advantage of that, the person had to know he had the scar, which means it was another one of the robbers. Since Kamada's dead, that only leaves Kujirai. So, looks like he's the culprit, Colleen. Were you surprised, Denny? Uh, by this point, no. <laughs> Maybe I would have been at the beginning. After Kamada left the restaurant, Kujirai brought up the name of Saizu. And then he went into the maintenance room to murder Kamada, who he had lured there. He then hid the body in the box. After Samazaki gave up his search, Kujirai met with Kurohisha in the washroom next to the restaurant. Kujirai put Kurohisa to sleep with some sort of drug and then took his watch and clothes, which he took, which he put on Kamada and then set up the cigarettes. Later, he was purposefully seen by the staff, so they would note that the box wasn't on fire and that he had called, that he had been called there by somebody. So he was basically making him look like somebody was trying to frame him. This is another reverse psychology 3D chess bullshit where they're like, <laughs> See, he wanted to be suspicious to make him not suspicious, huh? Uh, I guess it worked. Uh, it worked on me, because uh, for, for like half the time, I thought that Saizu was still alive. Kujirai was then able to make his alibi by being with the rest of the group, and the explosion occurred. He hid Korahisa's body by tying him to the rope ladder in the front, and then set up the firecrackers. He then returned to the front, pulled up Korahisa's body, and murdered him. Through the window into the restaurant, Kujirai shot his own arm and then set up another cigarette. <laughs> he just has, like, cigarettes everywhere on this ship. Also a tough dude to just shoot yourself in the arm and be like, I'm cool. I, yeah, that that was pretty impressive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like nothing's bothering me. Yeah, I mean, he went... So, it's kind of cool because um, the second time I watched this, you can... It's so noticeable when he starts... Um, like putting pressure on his arm like he does th- his entire confession at in the restaurant basically he has like his arms crossed like he's you can it's noticeable that he's um, putting pressure on his arm against oh. the tennis ball interesting I didn't notice that so Kudra gathered everybody into the restaurant to confess and he waited for the explosive to go off and then pretended to be shot Samazaki asks why there weren't more blood if he had been shot prior, and Kegura says Kujirai clogged his artery before he shot his arm and stopped the blood flow by placing a tennis ball under his arm. And that's the hint, Colleen. Yay, we finally see it. And I did not know that this is something that happens. Like, I didn't know that the, you could do this. Me neither. You learn a lot from Canon. You and do. you forget it. And then you learn it again in a future case that's because surprisingly you don't actually similar. apply it to your real life. So Kogura also says that Kujirai called Hattori to the ship so he could play the role of detective. The reason he called Hattori, who is from Osaka, is because Kujirai is also from Kansai. This was noticed when he was playing cards. He said the deck was fixed when he put it back into the case, which is something people from Kanto don't say. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's a rough translation. We got him. <laughs> Kegura says the proof can be found near the bullet hole in the glass, as there should be signs of blood from when he shot himself. Even though he tried to clean it, there should be some uh, some blood splatter there. So they're like, ha ha, we got you. <laughs> 
Kujirai denies he's the culprit and that it was a trap, but Samazaki says it can't be fooled. Kegura then remarks that the stars are nice today. <laughs> and he's like, what's that star? What's that weird light coming from? Hmm? Conan's little hand is on Kogoro's cheek, like holding his head up. <laughs> so cute. And that's when we see a boat. And it has Hattori on it. He's very cold. Oh. And he's to, he sneezes. Kegura says Hattori witness that Korihisa was tied to the rope ladder. And he was knocked down by Kujirai. Hattori's back. Yay. And he gets... His role is being a witness. Yeah, and um, I thought, like, his, uh, him being on the boat was so cool, right? He has this, like, cool pose and whatnot. And then, of course, Detective Conan Comedy comes in and he has, like, this snot running down his nose. It was just perfect. It was a great Heiji moment. The criminal accepts his fate, and Samazaki is surprised that Kegura found out that Korihisa was the culprit. Kegura says it was the watch. It was a left-handed watch and was placed on the body upside down on the right hand. Nobody that was dressing a man as themselves would misdress them. Oh, rookie mistake. Kegura says Kujirai also posted the ad in the newspaper and says it was probably a promise that they had made 20 years ago to post an article using the name Furukawa Masaru. They met up so they could take out the money that they hid in a secret account, that they needed a key, a stamp, and a signature to. Each man had one of those items and used it to identify each other. By killing the others and taking the key and stamp, he could get all the money. So that was his big plan, Colleen. He wanted all that money. Well, I mean, that's... Money makes the world go round, apparently, so I guess that's what he What wanted. are you even going to use that money for when... Okay, you had to wait 20 years. So that means he was basically broke for, like, most of the prime years of his life. And it was just, he's like, he's going to be 60 and he's going to have all his money. Like, <laughs> like what are you going to have fun with? Yeah. Have a, the real happening bingo hall night, brother? Or maybe he could have just forgotten about all this. Like, in those 20 years, he could have, you know, started another career, got a job, had some sort of income anyways. I don't know what he was doing for the last 20 years. Well, how do they have a job if they have to use a fake name and everything? You know, they can't be on the up and up. Okay, so you're thinking this is like, he's working retail, minimum wage kind of job. Like, under the table. Like, he can't okay. be doing anything legit. So, Samazaki calls Kujirai an idiot for killing his companions after the 20 years had finally expired. Kujirai says he wanted to win by forming the ultimate plan and to finally beat Saizu. He says, 20 years ago, he told me my plan was useless, so I wanted to go beyond that organizer of the shadows. But why are there so many people from this case on this <laughs> boat? I didn't write one letter about Saizu's name on, on the article. And Samazaki's like, wow, you really don't get what Furukawa Masaru is? And it turns out that if you turn Furukawa Masaru sideways, it becomes the letters for Saizu Kano. So uh, that, that's why Conan figured that out when the piece of paper went sideways. That That's amazing. Like, when that piece of paper went sideways, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this. Because obviously I can't read this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, is it a cross? I don't know. And then, like when they explained this i was like oh okay that's something i would never be able to guess so that's why everybody else joined the tour samazaki laughs and says kujirai never stood a chance from the start since he was fooled by saizu for 20 years 
and uh, everybody has a good laugh, and it's a happy ending after all these <laughs> bank robbers died and one's going to jail. Yeah, and the bomb went off. Could have gone off on the boat itself. It was... Yeah, um, this was pretty cool, though. Like, I liked how, uh, uh, like, this, you know, guy who is no longer around is still, like, has the one-up on, uh, what's-his-face, Kujirai, just because Kujirai couldn't, is the only one who couldn't figure out his name. It was also kind of dumb, because Kujirai came up with this whole elaborate scheme, and, uh, like, I thought it was pretty well put together. He seems like an intelligent person, but for 20 years, he couldn't figure out that if you turn the name sideways, it would be the name of his old boss. Yeah, but how many names are you turning sideways? I don't put Colleen vertically and wonder what that will look like, you know? Yeah, no, you have a point. And, like, Conan even figured it out accidentally. Yeah. So, after the ending song, Hattori explains to Ron that he fell into the ocean and says it's cold, that she didn't notice. He was struggling in the ocean until he was saved by a fisherman. He says it was quite a hassle, taking off my clothes in the ocean and using my flashlight to signal the ships in the distance. Could have worried a little. Jeez. And, uh, Ron notices that Hattori took off his clothes and... She gets a bit embarrassed. Colleen, how, did you wish that they had a flashback to when he was taking off his clothes? <laughs> um, maybe a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Are you? You'll never know. Uh, so let's do the fashion corner here. What do you think of Hattori? He has like a a, a big like towel over him. <laughs> what do you think about this towel? Is it in? Was it fashionable? Was it cool? Oh. Totally. I mean, I'm more interested in what's underneath, but yeah, the towel's great. Whoa. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> you asked. Hattori says, of course you try wearing something like that. It sucked in the water and became like weights real quick. And that's when he flashes Ron by pulling the towel out. And this is quite the hilarious uh, scene because we see it from the back. And we see Ron's, like, astonished face after. It looks like he's flashing her. Uh, this is very funny. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> and then he's like, but I didn't toss my pants. It's like, oh. So Ron didn't see anything that will make Kazuya a killer. No, that's good. I mean, that would be a great match, though. Kazuya versus Ron. Then says his good luck charm was put into his pocket when he didn't notice by Kazuya. Which, and then on the note, she put... Don't forget this, idiot. <laughs> I love their dynamic. Yeah, Kazuya's is great. Tori looks at the charm, wondering if it works or not, and then Ron and Karen are both looking at him. Ron teases Haiji for looking at Kazuya's charm and being thankful for it, but he says, I was just thinking about tossing this dead weight, but uh, I would hate it if I got smitten for it. I guess I'll keep it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, Very that's cute. how the episode ends. Cute little moment between uh, Tori and Kazaha, even though she's not really there. So uh, yeah, that does it for the episode, Colleen, the 20-year-old murderous intent, the symphony serial murder case. What did you think about this two-hour special? Did you feel like it was worth the two hours? Did you like how it come, came together to, at the end? What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was definitely worth the two hours. Uh, had it been any shorter than that, 
um yeah i don't think they would be able to fit in all of the 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 details and the plot so i i really appreciated um the case for that i think the core mystery was good um i like the setup of a cast of characters all connected to this mysterious almost legendary figure from the past um still a little like i'm still kind of like shaking my head at the thought that um all these people could figure out that the name sideways was one way but this one guy couldn't like like you were saying like how how many people are putting names side sideways like why would samazaki do it or why would the bank teller even though the bank teller was like oh i was only half sure i was only half sure if this was uh, the actual guy so um so yeah i'm just gonna like, park that um the first half of the special had some great comedy um the second half was a little bit more serious but with haiji's triumphant return uh that kind of brought back the laughs a little bit more um like overall i really i liked it i enjoyed my time with it but because there was so much going on and i mentioned it before like uh there's things that were like convoluted and the names were very similar so i just felt like it was difficult to follow along um so i had to watch this twice not fully but uh, i did watch the second half uh, before recording just so it was fresh in my mind and i had to read the manga to really understand what was going on um so that that's just me on me but uh, I, I overall i really enjoyed this two-hour special yeah i thought it was a really good case um i was surprised by the twists and turns it took uh i didn't really suspect uh Kujirai. Is that his name? Yeah. Kujirai, because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's, you know, you see a dude get shot, and you're not like, well, obviously he shot himself through the window, you know, clearly. So, like, that was a big twist there for me. Uh, you know, I was putting together some stuff with, like, uh, the guy dating Samazaki's daughter and such, but I still didn't know everybody's, like, true motivations as to why. They were on the ship. I thought the daughter was uh, mysterious for a while. The uh, Saizu's daughter. Um, so I thought maybe she was trying to get revenge. But uh, yeah, so a lot of a lot of good story beats. Uh, I felt like it didn't drag on or anything. Although we probably could have gone without the fake deduction. <laughs> There's probably a better way to just get her to admit that Saizu was her dad than like. Going, going through 10 minutes of explanations and then going, psych, that didn't happen. Yeah. It would have been maybe an alternative if Kogoro slash Conan just, like, um, asked her questions, basically interrogated her until she finally admitted it. That would have been one way to go about it. Yeah, but, uh, you yeah, know, I liked it. Um, so, yeah, thumbs up from me. That was good. A good 100th episode for the podcast. And uh, for the next episode, we get the next kind of saying it's hard-headed, and I think they just showed Genta's head. <laughs> it was fantastic. Was it was Genta's head with a rock falling on top and being smat, like cut into two. It was quite funny. And Kenan says, the next case is super unique. And then a girl, it might have been Ayumi, I'm not sure. She says, can you flip the rice cake? And Kenan says, sure. I Okay. It's like, it was probably some pun I didn't get. I thought it had something to do with um, 
some sort of like celebration maybe new year's but like the timing would have been off but like i i figured it was you know some sort of um special time of year where they eat rice cakes a lot okay maybe so next uh so the next episode is episode 175 the man who was killed four times so that's interesting oh this is fantastic i mean i really enjoyed the case when i watched it the first time so i hope i like it again so we'll be covering that and we're also going back to the drama to episode three of the live action drama next podcast and that was the one that has eerie in it and apparently somebody got shot and died via finger guns so i'm pretty excited about that one so if colleen's excited about the man he was killed four times i'm excited for the drama so Lots to look forward to. <laughs> a finger gun just feels like a typical, like classic Kogro weapon. Like if he's doing a deduction, that's something that Kogro might say. And then before we get out of here, I do want to give some thanks to some patrons. Medium Size Jeffrey, Ryan Self, Spencer Young, William Lee, and Big Chief Mason. We thank you all for the support. We just had calling two Patreon episodes drop on the very same day. We had the... Uh, we had a new uh, Magic Kaido episode, and we had Yaiba, and uh, one of them features my dog scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> that was cute. And the other episode has a spider scaring the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. So if you want, like, just to hear me be uh, embarrassed through audio, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff there. So you can check that out on the Patreon that's patreon.com slash case reopened. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at case underscore reopened. And uh, yeah, so it's exciting stuff, Colleen. Very exciting. Uh, again, can't believe that this podcast has been going on for 100 episodes. I mean, you've been here from the very beginning, Tyler, so it must feel like quite an accomplish- accomplishment for you. Not at all. It's just a, <laughs> another regret in my many of my life. Well, I mean, that's t- too bad because I think you're putting out great content. So we'll be back with more Conan next week. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye, everyone. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>